Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, thanks for joining me today. 2019-2019 is now behind us. Many of you listening had no idea that you would be looking for places to help you with the death of your child. It was by far the worst year of your life. For me, that year was 2011. I am so sorry you have a reason to connect with us, but I'm glad that God led you to GPS Hope and that we're walking this journey together. Looking back can be very painful, but in this instance, I thought it would be good to look back at the most popular podcast episodes of this past year and share a clip from the top five. Our very first podcast went out last year in 2019 on April 23rd, and that first one ended up being the fifth most popular. The subject is forgiveness really necessary. So let's go ahead and listen into a clip. There is something that we can learn from an elephant, believe it or not. When an elephant, we don't see it as much anymore, but like when you see a circus, there might be a big, huge elephant, a couple of elephants tied up to just a a stake in the ground, something that we know that that elephant is so big and powerful and strong that they could just yank that up, or they're tied to one of the tent pegs, and you think, my goodness, that elephant could just yank that thing and trample everybody, start running around, pull the tent down, whatever. We're amazed at why is that elephant just stay there? Why does he just stay there? And what I discovered is that when an elephant is a baby, the trainer will take a chain and connect that baby elephant to something that he cannot get away from, a big tree, whatever it is. And that baby elephant will spend days and weeks and even months pulling on that chain, trying to get away. And he will pull and pull and try and try. Well, eventually this baby elephant gives up. He knows, I can't get away, I might as well not even try anymore. And once that baby elephant stops trying to get away, the trainer knows at that point he can take anything, a rope, and tie it to anything that that elephant could easily get away from. The thing is, that elephant has convinced himself that he cannot get away, and so he no longer even tries. And that is a picture of us with our unforgiveness. We will tell ourselves that I can't forgive. I am stuck in this trap. I can't forgive. And that's just not true. Unforgiveness is a trap. It is something that keeps us from being able to move forward and getting out of this darkness And so I really want to encourage you that it isn't that it's impossible to forgive. It's that we won't forgive. Now, I know in the very early days of grief, and especially if something, you know, has has happened 
a senseless, totally senseless death that someone was, you know, uh, involved in with uh, the death of your child. I'm, I'm not condemning you or judging you in any way if you are saying, I just, I just can't forgive that person for uh, what they did that killed my child. It is a process and we have to get to the point where we are ready, where our hearts are ready. But there will come a time and you will know when that is and you may be there already. I don't know. But there will come a time where you will find yourself saying, I can't forgive. And something inside of you tells you that it's your anger and it's your revenge, your bitterness that is what's telling you that you can't forgive because you don't want to let go of those things. And sometimes we feel like if I forgive that person, it means that what they did was okay to my child. And that is so not true. We'll talk about that in the podcast where we talk about forgiving others. But I just want to say that it is possible to get free of this. It is possible to forgive This first podcast led the way for the next seven episodes, and each one deals with a different person we might need to forgive, such as maybe the person directly or indirectly responsible for the death of our child, or the people around us who don't get it, ourselves for not being able to protect our child, our child for leaving us, as crazy as that sounds. Some of us need to forgive our child. And yes, we tackle being angry at God. If you haven't heard these episodes, you might want to write yourself a note to check them out. Those are episodes one through eight. The next little snippet we're going to hear is from episode 12, Facing Our Fears After the Death of Our Child. This came in as the fourth most popular. In this episode, I share seven ways to help make a shift in how you see God in the midst of your fears caused by the pain of the tragedy of the death of your child. You know, fear brings torment. The Bible tells us that, and it's so true. And as parents grieving the earthly loss of our child, it's easy to feel the full weight of that torment. But there's something much more powerful than our deepest fears, and that's God's love for us. If we live in fear, it's because we are doubting his perfect love, which is understandable because it's hard to reconcile in our minds how we can trust a God who says he loves us and yet allowed this terrible thing to happen to our child and us. So let's listen in to a little bit of this podcast episode, Facing Our Fears After the Death of Our Child. The bottom line is that fear and faith come from the same root. They come from the same place. And that is our belief in the unknown. We don't know the future. And we can either fear the unknown future or we can have faith in the unknown future that God is already there. God is eternal. He's already in our future there for us, no matter what happens. So when I said that there is no easy fix or solution to this, in a way that might not be true, because it's a choice. It's a choice of choosing which unknown are we going to start believing in and acting on. Yeah, it it might sound easy to say, 
but it doesn't mean it's easy to do. But it does boil down to that simple thing. We get to choose whether we're going to walk in fear and be tormented by those fears that we have. And we have them. We have them. Okay? I gave you a list at the beginning of this podcast of there are six more episodes and each one is going to address a different fear that we have to fight against after our child dies. But it is our choice whether we're going to continue to give into that and be tormented by it or whether we're going to choose to trust God with our future and all these things, these fears that try to come on us and torment us and plague us. For the next six episodes referred to in this clip, I bring in Pastor Lynn Breeden to join me. Lynn lost her five-year-old son, Joel, over 30 years ago to cancer, and she was the perfect one to talk with about fears we now face because she's been on this journey for so long. And some of the fears we talked about are the fear that no one will remember our child or the fear of losing another child, the fear that I'm losing my mind or the fear of grief triggers, how we can be afraid and feel guilty to enjoy life again, and the fear that maybe our child isn't in heaven. These are episodes 12 through 18, if you want to look them up. And now on to number three. I did a series on how the death of our child affects every part of us, body, soul, and spirit. In other words, how it affects us physically, how it affects us emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Right now, we're going to be listening to a few minutes of episode 22, The Emotional Breakdown. The whole thing of emotional turmoil and breakdown, there are a lot of tears for most of us. And you need to know that it's okay to cry and to have grief attacks. It's normal. I didn't know that. I felt like as a Christian, I should be getting the victory over this. I should, I should be better than this. I shouldn't be letting this take me under all the time like this. I didn't understand that this was normal grief. It's pretty rare to just be able to snap out of it and rise above it in victory when your child dies. Tears are a gift from God to bring healing to our emotions. And not only are they healing, but God keeps an account of them. I believe there's going to be something extra for those of us who have gone through such deep suffering. Now, why do I say that? Well, David cries out to God in the Bible, You have seen me tossing and turning through the night. You have collected all my tears and preserved them in your bottle. You have recorded every one in your book. That comes from Psalm 56. And if God puts our tears in a bottle, I think we're going to have some of the biggest bottles in heaven, don't you? David talks about how You've seen me tossing and turning through the night, and you've collected my tears. I believe that God has something special for us. And, and there are other, other reasons in other scriptures, too, that I'm not going to go into right now. One thing I want to share with you right now, though, is just this past week, I was in just a, a prayer time with the Lord, and I was, I was talking to him about some of these things that, that we struggle with, with the death of our child. And I suddenly saw in my mind, a picture in my mind, and some Christians will call it a vision, but I saw a picture of a form of a man, and I knew that was Jesus. I just knew who I was seeing was Jesus. He was sitting at a potter's wheel, and he was forming the clay, but the thing was, it was his tears is what was wetting the clay. I, I, it was just such a picture to me of 
Jesus's tears being what was wetting that clay to form it. And it just spoke volumes to me about how he is with us and and just he he feels the pain with us and no we don't know why and these are questions we can't answer this side of eternity but we do know that he's with us and we do know that he's hurting with us and i've heard it said i don't know if i'll, I'll say this right but that sometimes god allows something he hates to bring in something he loves and we we don't know what is behind all of this but we do know that tears are important to God, and it's okay if we find ourselves constantly crying. And that, that vision just really spoke to me. And one last thing I want to say about crying, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. And he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? But he wept. And I feel like enough said, mic drop, right? <laughs> so it's going to happen to us for the rest of our lives. We're going to have times where we just fall apart, we're emotional, we cry, because our tears are liquid love spilling from our souls. We still love our child. That that love will never end, and, and there's nowhere for it to go right now. And so it comes out as liquid love in our tears. This series of Body, Soul, and Spirit are episodes 22 through 27. Now, the top two most listened to episodes were with guests. The one that came in second is part two of a discussion with Glenn Lord, who lost his young son, Noah, in 1999, and he's the founder of the Grief Toolbox, if you've ever heard of that. This podcast episode, Finding Your Direction Again, was so good that I had a hard time pulling out just a short segment, but here we go. It was very difficult, and I did have to step back. I stepped back from like being on the worship team at church. Uh, it, music was very hard. Worship was very hard because Becca was a worshiper, and she wrote beautiful worship songs. And we had talked about, you know, maybe writing a book together based on, you know, kind of a mother-daughter view of her journey through cancer as a child and having an amputation. And so that was gone. And, yeah, there were just a lot of things that were, that I felt were taken from me. That was a pretty loud voice in your life, wasn't it, in the beginning? Very. Yeah. And probably, you know, the listeners out there, depending on where you're at in your journey, you may be hearing that loud voice. You may be hearing the loud voice that allows you to focus on all of those things that we that you've lost. But the fact is, is that a lot of the things that we think we've lost, we haven't actually lost. I mean, you mentioned right there that you'd kind of lost the will to, 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 to live. Uh, you had lost kind of the desire to invest in anything. You had lost the desire to have a ministry. Um, you know, you, you kind of lost a lot of those things. And in the beginning, it's very easy to focus on those because they all do really seem like things that, that you, we have lost. And if you're a listener out there, you're probably feeling like a lot of these things are things that you've lost too. But I want to talk to everyone and I'm going to ask, ask, ask you, Laura, to share about, I want to talk about a couple things that we didn't lose. Today, today, do you love Becca less, more, or the same as the last day you held her in your arms? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, you know, it's really strange to say, but more. More. So you didn't lose love. Love grew. And that's probably true for every single person listening. 
I have talked to thousands and thousands of people, and I've yet to hear someone who told me that they love their child less today than the last day that they held their child. Sometimes I hear people say them love them the same because they say they already love them more than they could possibly, anyone could love anyone, so the love couldn't grow. But I, usually the answer is that the love has grown, but in any case, the love was never, ever, ever lost. Never lost. And you're still here. You're still here. You may not, at the time, understood what your purpose was or why you were here, but all of us are, are still here. And all of those skills that you talked about, you still had them. You didn't, Becca dying didn't stop you from being able to be a musician or loving your fellow man or having the, the ability to teach, all of those things. And whatever, as a listener, whatever those skills that you had, whatever it makes inside you, you didn't lose them. Now, I want to emphasize, it may not be that you have an interest in doing them anymore. Laura, you're not doing a children's ministry today, are you? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. So that direction was gone, but the skills that you had to be a minister for children are still there. You, so for, if someone is, is there, it doesn't, I want to emphasize, it doesn't mean you're going to continue doing what you're doing or you need to or you should or any of those things. I just want to emphasize that the skill sets are still there, and we may choose to leave those skill sets behind, and, and that's okay. You know, one of the things you talked about, I don't remember if it was in this episode or last episode, I think it was when you were closing last episode, if I remember correctly, you were talking about the fact that we want to be defined by their life, by our, their connection with what they did and how they brought, and, and the fact that they were in our lives, not by the fact that they died. And that um, is really important because no matter how someone died, in, in, in your case, it was a long-term illness, but the moment of death was still a moment. Even before that, she was still alive. It may have been, she may have been sick. It may have not been the same life from before, but she was still alive. And the, the death is really only a moment, no matter how someone dies. And no matter how someone dies, the death is always infinitely shorter than their life. Even if they died in utero, even if the child was never, ever born, you had them for months and you had those ideas of who they were and all of those people. And, and so they're, their existence is much greater than their death, and it's easy for us to focus on their death because their death is that loud voice that tells us all those things that all those things that were, were gone. Glenn went on from here to lead the listeners through an effective, practical exercise by asking questions that help lead the listeners to a path they may not have seen before in discovering new meaning and purpose in life after the death of their child. Not by pretending like our child never existed, but based on the special and unique gifts we received through their lives. I really hope you take the time to listen to both part one and part two of this very helpful discussion with Glenn, which are episodes 19 and 20. And now for the most listened to Grieving Parent Sharing Hope podcast of 2019. This was with guest Ron Kelly, who lost his 16-year-old son and his only child to a rare congenital heart defect. This was episode nine, and Ron and I talked about grief and the workplace. So let's listen in. You were talking about there are some things that can be done. So I'd really like to get into that, how to function in the workplace when we have that grief fog and, you know, what do we do? Well, and let's talk it from our side of it. Let's not talk about the employers for a little while because mm -hmm. we'll come back on that. But I mean, for us going back to work, 
I always say the first and foremost thing you have to do is take care of yourself. Nine times out of 10, we're, we're going back to work either because it's a requirement to go back to work or because we, you know, and, and like you said, I, I might be able to take my un, you know, uh, leave that I haven't taken before that I've got on the books. And maybe I can take some uh, unpaid leave off too. They're, they're pretty good to me at work. Take as much unleave time as you, you need to. But how much unpaid leave can I afford to take? Most of us live in this country paycheck to paycheck. It's right. just, it's fortunate way things are. So I'm going to have to go back to work. And when I do go back to work, just remember, be easy on yourself. Realize that it's not going to be the environment that it was at home. Even if you've transitioned from the initial stages of our loss, when you know the, the, the grief seems to be relentless and unending and the emotions never seem to leave, we transition into a point where now it starts to come into waves and we can find a moment that it's not impacting us so much. So we think that we're okay. And then we go back to the workplace and we're hit with these waves again. And it's, you know, just not that same safe environment it was before. Realize it's going to happen, but realize too, unfortunately, we made that choice to go back to work. I know we need to work, but we went back to work and we said, okay, we're here. We're ready to go back to work. There's some things that we're going to have to do to, to understand. You talked about some of the things that employees might say. Uh, and that's important because I'm a strong advocate of people are just goofy. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, they're going to say the bad things like uh, they're going to say, well, you know, you're young. At least you guys can have another child. Things that we want to tap them in the forehead and say, don't ever say that to me again. But we don't. Well, that was uh, gracious. Tap them on the forehead. Yes. But <laughs> we have to realize we most of us come from a culture where we're raised to go up and comfort somebody who's in pain. Right. Yes. And, and that generally means putting an arm around their shoulders and saying something in comfort. But Mortality is a little different. We, we, we're not trained for that as the average Joe out there. We're not trained for the right things to say or not to say. Uh, we want to tell most people and anybody listening, realize the best thing to do is say nothing. Put a hand on my shoulder. Give me a smile. Let me know that you're there and, and walk away. You don't need to say a word. Right. Don't but, try to fix it because you can't. No, you can't. But, but my point to all this is, you know, they don't say things out of malice and we right. have to remember that. Um, it's not that they're ill-hearted. It's not that they're trying to say something that's going to upset you. They're, they're doing what they were trained since childhood to do, and that's to come up and give you comfort. They just say the wrong things. They, yeah, they, interesting. They, we can change our perspective on that, on how we see that. I think about a lot of times when someone will come up and try to compare their grief. Oh, I know how you feel because I lost my grandma and I cried for a week or whatever. And we can get very defensive and it's like, how dare you compare the death of my child to your grandma or something like that. But the thing is, if we think about they're comparing their deepest loss, that's the deepest loss that they have ever felt. And so that's what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. They're, They're trying to get on a level with you to try to help comfort you. Yes, yes. So that's part of going back to work and understanding that you're going to be walking down the hallway and you're going to notice Bob sneak into the supply room just so that he does not come face to face with you. Okay. You've seen that before, right? People mm-hmm. that avoid you altogether yes. because oh, yeah. they don't know what to say. And, and again, mortality is a very uncomfortable thing. In, in my place, I lost a child. You know, there were other guys that I work with that, that had boys just like I did uh, to look at me. What goes through their mind? There, but for the grace of God, go I. And yes. it, it, it pains me to even think about, oh my gosh, well, we're, what if that were me and my child? As a matter of fact, I don't want to think about that. I'm right. going to avoid that thought altogether. Make sense? Yes. Yep. And that's what they do. They, they avoid mortality because it's a very uncomfortable topic. 
So just realize that when you go back to work, it's going to be uncomfortable for them. They're going to get over your loss. You never will, but they're going to get over your loss very quickly. And the reason for that is, again, not out of malice, but they don't go home every night to a home that's completely different than it was before, right? Right. They're not going to go home every night, wake up in the morning, and before they get ready to go to work, wonder why they're not getting their child ready for school like they did the day before. Mm-hmm. Those things don't hit them like they hit you and I. Mm-hmm. And we were totally unaware until it happened to us. Bingo. Uh, we were them. For me anyway, personally. Yeah, we it were there. It makes them. me wonder how many hurtful or stupid or ignorant things I said to try to comfort someone when I knew nothing about what kind of grief they were going through. Right. And, and we can't go through training for that in advance. We could, but we won't. And unless we are mental health professionals, we're not going to get trained in advance. Uh, you and I are now well-trained, are we not? But yeah. <laughs> we would prefer not to be. Exactly. But we are. And The other part of that is it's part us because we're going to go back to work and we're going to put on a grief mask, okay? And we're going to look like we're okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So what are other people thinking? That we're okay. And and we got over it. We're we're never going to get over it, but that's that's the word we hear out there. You know, why aren't you over it yet? Or he must be over it because he seems like he's back to to his old self again. Uh Uh-huh. we put on that mask. It's not that we want to stand in a workplace and be emotional and and bring everybody else down, but we do present airs that we're doing okay when we're really not. Right. This episode was packed with good stuff about the workplace and grief, and we even got into a short discussion about false anger and blame and how men and women tend to grieve differently, which affects us at work as well. Once again, our number one podcast of 2019 was episode nine. I hope you take the time to listen to it, even if you're not working outside the home right now, because there were so many helpful things about interacting with others around us within our grief. And I hope that you also listen to the other four that you heard from today if you've never heard them. All five of these episodes will be in the show notes with links taking you directly to them. So the easiest way to find them all is just to go to the GPS Hope website, which is gpshope.org, hit the podcast button and go to episode 38. Remember, it's called the five best episodes of 2019. And in those show notes, there'll be direct links to all of these that you heard clips from. And you can just click on the link and go right there. I am really excited about the next series. We're going to be talking about helping our child leave a legacy. And I have lined up several guests to share their story and how the life and the death of their child has made a difference in the world, affecting the lives of others in a positive and sometimes even literal life-saving ways. I hope you join us for these because I think they will be very encouraging to you. If you've noticed... Our podcast and our website don't have a bunch of ads inserted in them because we want to keep this as a listener-supported ministry. So if GPS Hope has been a help to you, would you consider making a donation or even becoming a monthly partner with us? Just go to gpshope.org support. Every dollar helps and it all adds up helping GPS Hope to continue offering support and resources to other parents just like yourself who need someone to walk with them through the suffocating darkness of child loss, navigating them to a place of hope and light and purpose. 
And now let's go ahead and share the birthdays for this week. First, we have Ryan Hines, who was born on January 7th, and he is forever 27. We have Adrian, who was born on January 11th, and she is forever 19. And then we have Jake Kalicki, who was born on January 12th and is forever 17. We celebrate with these families the day that these children came into the world and into the lives of those who love them and miss them. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out that little form. It's quick and easy. Submit it, and I will make sure that I share your child's birthday with our listeners. You've probably heard me say this before, but I feel like it's worth saying again. Many of us really struggle being in a new year, feeling like we're leaving our child behind. But we aren't just getting further away from them. Each day and each year that we're here on this earth means that we're getting closer to our own departure and seeing them again. We are actually getting closer and closer to them. So just keep giving yourself lots of grace on this journey and remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.